Sports are such a big part of all of our lives, from the big plays to the unforgettable games. They continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways. But what happens to the athletes, the warriors and heroes of our time, when the game is finally over and the sport they love and worked their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them? How do they cope with the transition? How do they find purpose, reclaim their identity, and work towards a vision of the future? As a former professional athlete, playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. My guest today is Jay Barnett. Jay is a former professional football player turned author, speaker, and now marriage and family therapist intern with over 10 years experience. He's a best-selling author who has published three books with a fourth on its way. I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to sit down with this beautiful man. We go deep and get vulnerable, discussing Jay's personal journey and how he navigated some of the more difficult challenges he's faced in his life. It was a true pleasure having this conversation. I hope you enjoy. All right, Jay, what's up, man? Welcome to Life Beyond the Game podcast. Man, what's up, Joe? Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate you taking the time. So um, let's dive right in, man. Let's, uh, let's talk about your transition out of sports um, and what that journey was like, you know, big picture, and then we'll dive into the details. Yeah, man, so let's see. So I, I, was, the, uh, I was in an 04 draft of, God, man, years ago <laughs> when I talk about that. So I was a free agent. And um, so I spent, I didn't get drafted, and I had a couple of uh, free agent options, and, and uh, those fell through. So I ended up going to the Arena League. So I spent a season there. And then the following year, uh, I got an opportunity. I got a call in to uh, go to Green Bay. So I did that uh, and going to spring training and all of that, man. And then that didn't work out. I went back to Arena and then Green Bay was bringing me back in. And so, man, I went just through this series of emotions, man, just throughout that whole process um, because the journey is different from a guy who isn't drafted uh, uh, opposed to a guy who is drafted. And so for me, man, that transition, man, was it, it, it was a difficult one because I didn't really have an understanding of, you know, what is next, right? Mm-hmm. If this football mm-hmm. thing don't work, you know, and as most guys, you know, so I'm training every day, you're working out every day, you're holding down a job, but also the job that you're holding down, you can't really be committed to it because at any time you can get that call. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened to me. And so... You know, after I got the call and after I got the opportunity, you know, and everything, and uh, it, it didn't work out. And so uh, Green Bay decided to go a different direction. And um, and so for me, man, I, I had to really ask myself, okay, do I have it in me to keep this up? Mm-hmm. Um, and about this time, I think I was maybe 24, 25, somewhere in that age bracket. And so... And I was just saying to myself, man, like I've been at this thing probably since, you know, I was 22 because when I came out of college, I was 22 uh, when I finished. 
And so I've been on this journey, man, for like two to three years, man. And I think at that time, it was hard to see myself not playing football. And I think that's the most difficult part for us as athletes. It's hard to see us, to see ourselves not being an athlete because that's what, that's what we've been doing for most of our lives. And that's all that we've ever known. And for me, that was all I ever known. And for me, it, it had been a, a great outlet and it had been a coping mechanism. And so the transition uh, was difficult because I didn't have a neck as most of us do. Right, because football is a game where you have to be all in. Because if you're not all in, you're not going to get the most out of it. And it led to depression for me. Um, you know, I started, you know, being a personal trainer. You know, as most of us do, so I can stay working out for free and not <laughs> paying somebody for it. Uh, you know, you go through the process that your agent is no longer supporting, your agent is no longer calling you, and so you go through just abandonment issues, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> You're going man. through all of the issues of just like, you know, it's not the same as as it when you first started out because every year there's a new crop of guys. And so for me, it, 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 sent, me into a, uh, it, it, it sent me into a very deep, deep depression, you know, that first phase of, of football or, or transition out of it. Yeah, man. Talk about a little, cause, cause that's a lot of guys, most guys journeys are, you know, this two, three, four year journey of, you know, up and down, still waiting for that opportunity, you know, and a lot of guys might get it. If someone gets hurt, they get the call and it's a slow journey of, you know, do I really want to continue to do this? And then it comes a moment where it's like, okay, I better start thinking about something else. Talk a little bit more about that, that decision. Was it like all of a sudden, like, okay, I need to figure something else out. Was it a slow journey into trying to figure out? And then when you got to that point, you know, you're trying to figure out what to do next. How long did that process take to kind of really find, you know, this identity and purpose? Man. So I'm a bag up a little bit. So when it first happened and everything first went down, I was dating a girl uh, that just happened to be an actress at the time. And uh, she That's nice. was... <laughs> so, she's probably going through the same journey, right? Trying to get yeah, that call. Yeah, yeah. So she's going through the same journey, right? Oh, my bad. So uh, so she's going through the same journey. And, uh, you know, when the whole thing fell, she finally... Because at the time, you know, we had got kind of serious. And she said, well, I think I'm going to make that leap to L.A. And so she had her dreams and had her ambitions. And then I had mine as well. And she asked me, she's like, are you going to continue this football thing? Like, what are you going to do with it? And she was like, I need you to make a choice because I'm going to go to L.A. with or without you. But I want you to come to L.A. with me. You know, and I was just kind of like, man, here I am again, 20, 23, 24 years old. I don't really know what I want to do because I, 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 I don't want to stop playing football because you feel like, you know, you're too, you're too young to, to stop playing. And so you feel like you have a lot of football left, but you know that there's the, uh, the opportunity is limited, is limited. And for me, Joe, I, uh, and for people who know my story, that's when I attempted suicide. Um, mm. you know, I, it was a cutting incident. And so I just felt like I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have anything to do. Uh, and I was losing this relationship. So I felt like everything was falling apart. And the only way to deal with it was through, you know, taking my life because I battled with depression for so long 
but football kind of stabilized my depression because I had an outlet. And so here I was, no outlet, no team camaraderie, uh, no coaches, you know, no support system, because that's what football is for many of us. It, it was a great support system. And so they're going back to your question. So I just wanted to go back a little bit and then fast forward. So by the time, I think at this time, I was like 26. I had a few calls from arena leagues. Like, hey, do you still want to play? And I was just like, man, I, I was just burnt out emotionally. Physically, I still could. But emotionally, I was tired. And this is when I realized, Joe, uh, that I was done and that I had to really look to doing something else. So I got picked up by this arena team and we're in camp and I'm going through camp. I play running back and fullback uh, in, in the arena league. So I'm going through the drills. And so I, I go out for a swing route and catch the ball. Linebacker lights me up as soon as I catch, mm. catch the ball. <laughs> now, my normal reaction would have been, I, you know what I'm saying, talking trash, let's run it back. You know what I mean? Joe, I didn't say a word. Oh, dude you knew you lost so it in that moment, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Dude talked so much trash, Joe. Like, yeah, what's up, baby? Come back. You know how it is. So at that time, Joe, I said, it's gone. Mm. The fire was gone. And man, the next day I called the coach and I said, coach, uh, I, I won't be coming back, man. And he was like, man, what's going on? You know, you're number two on the depth chart and, you know, we were looking for you and such and such to be a good one-two punch. I said, coach, it's not there, man. I mm. said, it's not. And, you know, he was like, man, you know, I, I, I respect your decision. And I said, it's time for me to move forward. And that's when I realized, man, that you can hold on to a thing for so long but when it no longer gives you what it once gave you, that fulfillment, it's time to let it go. Mm. And I think for us as humans, it's the hope that we're going to reignite what it once was. Mm. So it's, it's, what, it's what keeps people in relationships, right? Yeah. You want to get back to how it used to be. Mm. And it's never going to be that. Because at this point, you know, as you're aging and as you're growing older, your desires change. You know what I'm saying? And so what I realized is that I no longer had this desire to, you know, uh, uh, to be rushed with, uh, to be filled with this adrenaline rush, right, that we get from hitting guys, from just the smell of the grass, the smell of the pads and scrapping on the helmet. Like, it no longer excited me. And that's when I realized, like, all right, you got to figure this out. Yeah, it's a, a lot of, I mean, that's just a human nature thing, right? Like a lot of people, you know, life is impermanent and we're in constant flow and constant change. And a lot of people are scared of that change because it leads to an unknown. And I think as athletes, obviously the thing that we've worked so hard and then created this dream in our head of accomplishing and achieving greatness at this sport, you know, eventually that's going to come to an end for every athlete. And that's really a tough transition. So talk about how you how you dealt with that. Um, you know, you know, for me when I when I left, I was lucky enough to to play and give football everything I had. I mean, I played eight years in the NFL, and but I, I had a similar situation. I, I my last year, I lost my starting job, and I was on the sidelines, and I was looking out there on the field, and it was the first time in my career I wasn't on the field, and I was okay with it. And I was like, okay, you know, this is probably I'm probably done. Like I want a new challenge. I want something else 
I want to put my energy into something else. And it was, it was a you know exciting opportunity for me to walk away. But then as soon as I walked away, it was like, Oh man, like I, I, I really wasn't prepared for how the void that, you know, came with that. So, yeah. and I know a lot of guys deal with this. So how did you deal with that, that void of this one thing, even though you knew it was time for a change and you honored that a lot of guys hang on for years after even guys, I see guys that play, you know, they're, they're in their 10th year of their career and their bodies are so broken down and they just continue to play because they don't have anything else to do. And they don't want to answer that call of like going right. into the unknown. Right. So how did you deal with that void and how long, you know, kind of go through a timeline of how long it took to find this, this new purpose, this new uh, passion or identity Man. out of football. So uh, we'll go back to 27 is, is when I walked away, like just like stopped everything. And I think at 27, man, is what I realized too. All right, Jay, I started hearing the word purpose, but I really didn't know what it means. Uh, I didn't know the meaning of it. And I, you know, I just hadn't, you know, thought about what am I going to do with my life? Because uh, as you said, we don't think beyond the field, you know, cause especially we're in our twenties, man. So you mm. feel like, you know, you're going to be doing this forever, man. So you don't yeah. think about getting old. And at least you don't think about aging to where you can't play because that's all you ever known. And so you didn't, you, you didn't experiment with other things. Right. And so in college, uh, I, I did a lot of speaking. And so my coaches would have me give talks. Um, I did a lot of Bible class. And so my dad is a pastor. So I was very comfortable with speaking, with public speaking. And so I did a lot of things. And so, uh, I started a business. Uh, it was called Beast Mode Incorporated. And I trained uh, linemen, receivers, linebackers. I trained everybody, man. So I had so many different athletes. I had soccer, baseball, hockey, tennis. And I built this business in Houston where, you know, I was working with, you know, hundreds of athletes. And it kept me close to sports. But also it was allowing me to mentor as well because I was able to help these kids not only enhance their athletic ability, but also develop their mental as well. And so I didn't realize how important that was until I left pro sports, until I realized like, man, it has nothing to do with the physical ability. It had everything to do with, you know what I'm saying, your mental capacity and how stable you were. Because one of the things is that I never forget when Green Base is, you know, we're going to go a different direction and we want to go with this running back uh, who's a bit more experienced. During that time, I took that as a form of rejection, mm. right? Because it was associated with something else that I dealt with as a kid from my father. But from a season of growth and development and from a different perspective, they never said that I couldn't play. They never said that I was good. They just said I didn't fit the system that they were creating for the season because they just had the coach change from Mike Sherman to Mike McCarthy. Mm. And so so they were going through all of these different changes. And one of the things that I realized is that to really identify with your purpose, you really have to identify with where's your true passion. Mm. And I've always loved teenagers. I've always loved you know, working with young people because that's what I did in my dad's church. So by the time I'm 29, 30, uh, I have this epiphany that I want to build programs for kids. Now, I had did some modeling. 
I had did some acting, you know, because it's like you get out of football, you drop weight, you don't have to carry all that weight around, you know, unnecessary. Feeling good, looking good. Man, feeling good. So, you know, I did reality shows. I did two indie films. But what I realized is that it was fun, but it didn't give me that same fulfillment. Mm. So to take another dive off on the deep end, I attempted suicide again. Oh, man. By a drug overdose. So I'm a two-time suicide survivor. So because what I realized is, man, I had all of this. I was doing all of this stuff because I was trying to fill a void. Mm. You know, I was modeling. I was getting, uh, I did a, a sports magazine cover. I was doing all these different stuff. But the void of football, uh, it was just, and it wasn't so much football. It was what football gave me. It um uh, it provided a safe space, quote unquote. And that's what I was missing. And I didn't have that. And that's why when people say, well, why did you want to take your life? And again, he was doing all this stuff. And so that part kind of took me to where, okay, I'm doing all this stuff, but I still don't have a safe space. So by this time, Joe, I, I got in therapy. And I finally said, I'm going to go to therapy and finally really do some work on where is this depression coming from? What is the root of it? Mm. What started it? And that's when I began to really build and to really do the work and healing on myself to address uh, the divorce that I went through with my parents, uh, to address the images that I had in my head from the fights and the arguments. And because all of these things made me such a violent football player, made me very emotional, you know, but at the same time, it also made me feel very disconnected because on on the field I can be this this vicious this person who just you know what I'm saying you know you can be whoever you want underneath that helmet you can be as nasty as you want to be you can just be a dog you know but then you take the helmet off you walk in the locker room you get dressed and you hop in your car and you got to deal with the reality that I can't be who I am on the field in the real world. So the, 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 the warfare and the tug of war with the reality of who I am and the persona, because the representative gets to play the game of football, right? But outside of the game of football, I have to live with the reality that I'm still hurting. Mm. You know, here I was, I played four years in college. I was a university four-year starter. My dad maybe seen two games. You know what I'm saying? Uh It's like, even when I played arena league, you know what I mean? I had some great games and, you know, some some great milestones, but it's like, you know, so here I was trying to accomplish something that he didn't, like, how can I get his approval? Mm. And that was at the root of everything that I was dealing with. But football gave me the approval because the coaches would rally around us when we did a good job. But then the coaches would get on our ass when we did a bad job. But that also reminded us, too, how much the coaches cared because if a coach didn't get on you, he wasn't really thinking about you. So if he mm-hmm. stayed on you, that was evidence that, you know, he liked you. He cared, right? Yeah, he liked he cared. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He cared. And so um, going through all of that, man, and finally one day, Joe, um, I say I'm going to write a book about my life and write a book about my experiences. And after I released the first book and created the program, 
that's when I had this spiritual awakening that this is what I'm supposed to do is to help other young athletes, young kids identify with who they are outside of what they do. Mm, man, that's so beautiful. And thanks for sharing. And thanks for sharing about, you know, your journey with suicide and being vulnerable and open. Um, you know, you talk about the void and, and when football is over, that void comes rushing back in. I, I have a very similar experience um, as far as, you know, I didn't know this at the time, but doing this work afterwards and realizing like, where is like, how do I fill this void? Right. It's, it's, I feel like everybody inherently has that right. And our culture and our consumer culture and materialism is like, fill that void with stuff with, you know, nice cars, you know, success, achievement. And for athletes and for football players, I, I truly believe that we fill that void with the sport. Right. And for me, you know, I, it gave me attention. It gave me the love I was seeking. It made me feel accomplished and validated. And so as soon as that was taken away, I was like, oh, crap, that void is still there. No longer, football is not being filled by football anymore. And so I had to go on this journey of to figure out, okay, like you said, like, what is the core of that? So, you know, for people, I know a lot of this is experience for a lot of athletes and they might not have an awareness of it and they try and fill it with other things, like you said, like modeling and trying to figure out something else, but really not going deep into the deeper stories and deeper layers. So what are some advice or some tools that guys could use, um, you know, if they're going through this experience, you know, rather than numbing it out with drugs or alcohol or, you know, you know, unhealthy relationships, really trying to get to the root cause, um, of where they're at so they can start really filling that void with, you know, self-love and compassion and really show up for themselves first so that they can, you know, show up in the world in a bigger way. Yeah, I think, uh, that, and that's a great question, Joe. I think one of the ways that guys can really start to really discover that and to really be in search of it is really, uh, to find great support groups. Um, I don't recommend everybody, uh, to go to therapy. Therapy is not for everybody. Uh, counseling, coaching. Some people like life coaching. Some people like that term is better. You know, some people like counseling. Uh, so I always encourage guys to find a trusted space where you can unpack the trauma, the pain, the hurt, and to begin to deal and sort through those issues that you are hiding underneath the game of football, the game of basketball, whatever sport it is. And just what, what, what the, the issue that you're hiding, because we're all are hiding something. We're all mm. trying to run away from something. And what we don't realize is the more that you're running away from something, it's going to run you to something else. Mm. As you just said, right? That void, either you're going to fill it with drugs and alcohol, you're going to try to self-medicate, you're going to try to you know, see if you can sex it out, you're going to try to see if you can drink it out, you're going to smoke it out. I mean, I actually watched, um, I was watching a concussion the other day. I mean, I've seen it several times, like when I was doing case studies in, in, in uh, grad school. But just watching that, uh, I, I can't, it wasn't Mike Webster, but it was another guy. Um, but just watching, taking the pills to try to numb the pain, whether it was a chronic back pain, chronic neck pain, knee pain, because, you know, when guys walk away from the games, you got all these different elements, you got all these different injuries. But then for some of us, we have the uh, internal wound that we're dealing with. As you said, seeking the love that you were seeking is the same way for me, right? Because you felt so loved. Even, like, even, even when we lost a game, 
like you still feel love because you still have your coaches. You know what I'm saying? You still have your teammates. So, you know, fans may be upset, but you still have the support of the team. And I think it's so important, man, for guys to seek support outside of the arena of sports because that's going to allow you to get a very unbiased perspective to where somebody can be honest with you. Maybe there's something that you can see. I think this is why it's important for men to have mentors, to have life coaches, to have counselors, you know, to have somebody that is looking from a different view and somebody who can share a different perspective on where you are. And that way they can help you to get to where you need to be. And if you don't have that, because you can't see yourself, that's why we need a mirror. The mirror reflects the images that appear in it. So if there's no reflection, there's nothing that's standing in front of the mirror, it can't reflect anything. So we need to have people that we can stand in front of, that people will help us to readjust our barometer, our measuring stick, uh, will help us to adjust the lens that we're looking through, someone that will help us adjust our life mission, because that's what I had to realize is that you're going to have to unlearn what you learn in sports. Now, there are some things that we uh, can translate into life outside of sports, but there's a lot of things that we have to unlearn, right? Because it's like, I mean, people don't realize, man, like when you're playing ball, I, I told uh, a girl uh, that I dated, man, I used to tell her, man, I'm going to tell you something, man, when you're playing ball, your attitude as a man is like, it, it's it's not a normal attitude. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, you got to think. We're putting on helmets. You're going out here every day. <laughs> every day. Banging, banging, man. Like, yeah, like that's not normal. Mm-hmm. And I said, to even to be consistent with that as a man, you have to have such a, you have to pretty much have such a, 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 a very callous mentality almost almost like a FU mentality. You have to. Because not only are you trying to keep this opponent, if you're playing offensive line, trying to keep this opponent off your quarterback or the defensive guy is trying to like, somebody's trying to do something, right? Opposed to what's your job. Then you factor in that you are playing in front of somebody who's trying to get your position. Mm. So all of that is stress <laughs> and anxiety. Like, you can't have a normal mindset, man. So guess what? You see everybody as F you, man, like, because you trying to come after what I got. Mm. And having other spaces outside of that, it will allow you to tap into some sensitivity of who we are as men. So I think that's the importance because everything is not being a lion. Some situations, you have to be a lamb. Mm. And I think that's the importance that if guys want to really discover another part of themselves is to get in some different spaces that will expose different parts of you. Man, that's beautifully put, man. Yeah, like to become a complete human, we have to have and find balance within ourselves. And that is a difficult thing about transitioning, especially like you talked about, like such a, like the mindset it takes to achieve success in, you know, especially in the NFL at that high level is fascinating 
Um, and it does take a special kind of human being. Yeah. And, you know, when you do transition out, there's, you know, you are in football, you are surrounded by guys with similar mindsets. You do have the support, you have the coaches, you have the mentors. And then it's another really difficult part of the transition process is all of that is gone. And you're all of a sudden isolated, alone. You're around your friends and family who don't have that same mindset. They don't know what it takes. And you see, you see them complaining or struggling or having victim mindsets like, man, this is easy. Like, and so it's hard to relate to people. So I, I definitely agree with you having and finding that support and having someone to confide in. And, you know, I truly believe that there's so much healing power in being able to express emotions in a healthy way. And I feel like in our culture, especially as, you know, men in, in uh, a sport that is, you know, in our society and culture looked up to, to be like strong leaders in our communities, we have to be tough, right? And this old paradigm of toughness and what it means to be a masculine man is like, you don't show emotion, you don't cry, you have to have it all together. In reality, what I'm figuring out is the men that are the strongest, most powerful are the ones that have found balance with themselves and they, yeah. they have a space to be vulnerable, be open, and being able to express those motions and not holding them in our physical body really right. leads to a lot of healing. Yes, it does, man. It leads to a lot of healing. And that's what therapy was for me, man. Uh, it provided that space. It allowed me to take a walk back down my childhood and to revisit, you know, certain things that I had experienced. And you're so, you, you're so on point. As a man, when you can have the space to express but have the awareness to acknowledge, that's the freedom like you wouldn't believe. Mm. Because now, mm. because, because now you're not a prisoner to your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. You are a prisoner to your emotions. You don't have the ability to respond. So you're reactionary yeah. to everything. And you're not in control, right? And you're not in control because you don't have any tools. So therefore, yeah. it's like you don't have any, all you have is your toolbox as a hammer. So guess what? You see everything as a nail. Mm. so you don't really have an understanding to really grasp the concept that I need to be able to feel but the feeling doesn't have to take priority mm. and that's what I learned in therapy and getting healed is that like you and I talked about it, I think you talked about it uh, when, when, when we talked about it on uh, myth busting it's feeling the thing but not allowing the feeling to dictate my behavior. You know what I mean? And so Absolutely. I think that is critical for men because, man, when I look at guys who, you know, whether it's domestic violence, man, whether it's self-inflicted, uh, uh, whether it's all of a sudden a guy committed a crime, man, I'm thinking about what led you to that point? Not the fact that you did it, but what led to that. Mm. Because something was leading to that. And what happened is that if we can't have an understanding of what's leading us to that, the only next step is, is to do it. Mm. So if you have the awareness to where, okay, and, 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 I, and I'm going to just go here, you know, because <clears throat> I think, you know, I've done a lot of talks to women who date professional athletes, and, and, and I'm always providing them insight on understanding that you have to understand not the man that is the athlete, but you have to understand the man behind the athlete mm. to get a true understanding of who this man is. Yes. Because they're two people. 
whether people believe it or not, they're two people. That's right. We become on a Sunday, on a Saturday, on a Friday, whenever you step on that field, you are a whole different person than who you are off the field. So if you're judging me by who I am off the field and you have not had a connection to who I am off the field, then you're going to miss you know, certain things that makes that, that that's the makeup of who I am. Mm. And so when you have these violent acts that takes place in the relationship, right? To where, whether it's what led up to you guys putting hands on each other, mm. what led up to you making this decision that, you know, I mean, that changed your life and changed your career, something led up to that. So there, there, there was a lack of self-awareness to say, hey, I know you're talking, I'm just, I'm going to go here. I know you're talking crazy to me. However, the feeling of being disrespected, but being controlled by feeling disrespected, two different responses. Because mm-hmm. the moment that I feel disrespected, right, you react. You put your hands on her. Now, all of a sudden, okay, you're in a situation. We're getting in trouble. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As opposed to having some space and seeing, okay, I feel disrespected. I feel like you just disrespect me. Let's have a talk about, you know, why I feel like, like the self-awareness, is. like, why do I feel like this? What is within me? What did you say that triggered that within me? And it's taking responsibility for why you're triggered, right? Rather than exactly. externalizing that and then reacting. And then that's when bad things happen. And when those things happen, nobody means to do that. Nobody wants to do that. We're controlled nope. by our emotions. And that comes nope. out in an unhealthy way because we don't have a space to express those emotions healthily nope. and talk about them. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You talked that's earlier, point, you talked earlier about um, you know, your spiritual awakening. And I know... Um, you know, with me, uh, spirituality has become, you know, a big part of my life. You know, I grew up in a religious household, in a church, and a lot of these different beliefs. And, you know, I, I had a lot of questions around that. And I think through this journey of self-healing and doing, you know, going inward and finding my own experience has really awakened this different view and idea of spirituality Um, so talk a little bit about your journey with that and how spirituality has helped heal you and gotten you to this point in finding your purpose and passion. Yeah. Um, man, spirituality has been such a big part of my journey because I think part of it was understanding that God had a plan that was bigger for me, um, that football could not provide me. And it was hard for me to understand that, right? Because for me, I was like, man, I got to play ball, man. And, you know, my my uncles, my cousins, they all played in the NFL. Like, I have to do this. But it was having uh, the the awakening that could it be that God allowed this to be a vehicle? Mm-hmm. This wasn't the destination, but this was a vehicle. It was a vehicle that would carry you through college, give you the experience to college, but then they provide these opportunities. But then this was the vehicle that I would use to transport you to the place of purpose. Because see, real purpose is, 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 is the intent of why something was created. And what I realized is that in my spiritual awakening and then in walking and seeking God is that 
God created me for something that would outlive me beyond the field. Because the reality of it is that what we do on the field is just, it's entertainment. Let's just be honest, right? It's entertainment for the spectators and for the fans and for those who love the game of, of football and those who love sports in general, right? Yes, it provides us an opportunity to live. It provides us the opportunity to, to, to create a life for ourselves and for our families. But on the other side of that, you know, when it's all said and done, I mean, you think about, unless, uh, I think, who was the guy that just got in the Hall of Fame? Uh, was it uh, Hollywood Henderson, I think? Was that him? Or uh, I can't think of the guy for the Cowboys. Drew Pearson. I think yeah. That Drew, yeah, Drew Pearson. I don't know why Hollywood, I don't know. So you think about that, right? These kids, right, that are younger than us, because you and I are considered as millennials, but the generation be beyond us, they don't know who Drew Pearson is. Mm. You know what I mean? Does it take away from what he did on the field? No. But they don't have uh, appreciation for what he did for the receiver position because they they just don't have, you know, uh, 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 they didn't have an opportunity to, to, to see it. And so what I realized that sometimes we have to be uh, committed to the things that are eternal and that we don't see. Meaning that your podcast is going to affect more lives than you were able to affect or impact on the football field. Because the moment that we walk out the field, the moment that you're not playing, you're not in it anymore. You're not inserted into that space. So you don't have any impact. But your words, your healing, your podcast, your journey, all of those things are going to impact other people's lives. Because as you're impacting the lives of others, that allows them to be better for someone else. You know what I mean? To become better for, you know, others. So it's, sending out the ripples, baby. I, I just said, yeah, I mm. just took the words right out of my mouth. So it's a ripple effect. Mm. So it's a ripple effect. And so what I what what God revealed to me, man, is that I'm wanting you to commit yourself to something that's going to change the lives of people for how they live. Right? Because what you and I are doing, we're changing people's lives for how they function in their emotions, how they respond to their thoughts, how they operate, you know what I'm saying, in their system of living, you know, through changing their behavior. Because that's what it's really about is unlearning to learn new behavior, mm -hmm. to impact your life in a greater way. Because if we become better people, better men, guess what? We become better fathers. We become better husbands. We become better friends, better sons, better business partners. So it's not just a one person thing. It impacts the lives of many others in many different facets. And I think that's the beautiful thing that when I embraced it, and one of the things that God revealed to me, man, when I first started speaking, is that I had like three kids that was in my program. And he said, it's not about numbers, it's about impact. So when I grabbed that, I never worried about how many kids would show up to my program. I was concerned about the impact that I would have on the kids that were there. And what that did, it gave me a greater sense of purpose, Joe, because now I had this fulfillment that I was making a difference 
in somebody else's life. Not from scoring a touchdown, not from, you know what I'm saying, being able to be like, man, that dude's a beast, or it was beyond like, no. Because that's great. And the appreciation that fans have for their favorite athlete or favorite player, it's temporary. Because guess what? If you get hurt and go down and another guy steps in and all of a sudden he's a rising star, guess what? He becomes their favorite. Yep. The game goes on. The game goes on. It doesn't need us, right? It doesn't need us. But Mm. what I realized is that my purpose needed me because Mm. my purpose was something that was designed by God for me that only I can do. And that allowed me to see that every person on this earth has something that only they can do, that no one else can do. And that made me, Joe, never compare myself again to another man. It made me appreciate my journey. It made me accept, you know, the things about myself, even the insecurities, even the Mm. things that I didn't really like. I didn't want to know anybody to know because God says, these are all the things that I need to make you who you are to fulfill your purpose. And that, man, it gave me a peace, Joe. Like, at this point, at 38 years old, man, I told a friend of mine the other day, we were talking, I said, I said, man, I'll be honest with you. There's nothing anyone can show me in this, in this life that I will want. Meaning, like, no one can lure me with anything. This is, man, I can give you this, I can give you that. Because now I, I know that if you don't have a purpose, you don't have anything. Because I'm saying to myself, I looked at back at my journey. Okay, I was in a, I had a degree. I was smart. You know, I was an athlete. Why did I want to take my life? Right? Yes, I was in pain. And yes, I was hurting. And yes, I couldn't get rid of the images from my parents and all this different type of stuff. But at the root of it, I didn't know I had purpose. Mm. Most people are not only battling uh, with identity issues because they don't know who they want to be, but they don't know who they're supposed to be. Mm. And purpose just gives you a sense of identity that you and I don't have to compete because we both are given something, man, that is unique, that is powerful, that is life-changing, and if we tap into it, dude, we can blaze our own trail, and that never has to be comp- competition, whether you're black, white, rich, poor, gay, or straight. It doesn't matter. When you mm. tap into that thing that God is giving you, that purpose, whether it's to touch 10 people or 1,000 people. Man, I never wrote a book to say I wanted to be a, you know, uh, uh, I wanted people to talk about my books and, you know, that life. I just wrote a book for that one kid that was going to be an athlete that was going to experience what I experienced. And just so happened that God allowed those books to do great things. But I just wanted to make a difference. And that's what I live my life now, man. I live on purpose, man. And if, it, if purpose is not attached to a business deal, to a relationship, to a friendship, man, like, what, at this point, what, what for? Mm. Man, that's so beautifully said, dude. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And you know, it's this idea of just living really intentionally, right? And having yeah. purpose behind everything that you do. And, you know, I truly believe that every single football player, you know, some guys get attached, like, this is my purpose. This is why I'm here to play football. And, you know, I like to say it, 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 it's a piece of your purpose. 
It is not your purpose. It is a part of your story that is going to be used to make a bigger impact. And I truly believe football has opened so many doors. It's taught me so many lessons. Yeah, man. It's given me so many tools to show up in a bigger way and, you know, giving guys, you know, this idea like now that football is over or your sport, you know, you're, you're, you know, you, you're no longer an athlete. Your life's not over. It's just getting started. Yeah. Right. Um, so one last question, um, kind of want to get your idea on, you know, what's your vision for the future, not only individually, like what you want to create, but collectively as well. What is, what is this, this better vision of a brighter future look like to you? Oh man, I love that question. (laughs) Uh, my future, Joe, what I envision is doing retreats with guys like you and bringing in a host of athletes, man. Uh, and doing soul work with these guys. Mm. Uh, that's my vision, man. I have a vision to touch men to continue to work with young people. I feel like the sports world, man, is a very underserved community when it comes to mental health, when it comes to emotional stability. Yeah, I mean, there's so much focus on who we are physically, but very little attention given to uh, our makeup mentally. Because again, like you said so so beautifully, man, is that it's just a piece of our purpose. It's just really a, a, a small speck in our life because I want guys to understand and men is that your life does not have to end after this part. Because we as men, dude, we're, we're, we're like, we're tunnel vision, you know. We be like, man, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket and this basket better hold all of these eggs. And if it don't... <laughs> You know, the whole basket got to go to hell. You know what I mean? Mm. And so uh, my vision, man, is to build programs, um, is to continue to travel the country, man. And like I said, you know, in the future, man, I hope to partner with you on some things, man. I know you're big in meditation, man. I just love your journey, bro, as, uh, you know, uh, 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 of healing and just even listen to you talking about how you just went on this, this traveling the country, dude, just to discover, man, like, that's so beautiful, man, because I think, you know, uh, people don't get a chance to see the development of men mentally, emotionally, and intellectually. Like, they'll see us grow up in sports. Oh, I remember this guy was in college. I remember, but, but to really hear how you and I are conversing and how we are having this conversation, you know what I mean? It's like, we don't, they don't get a chance to see that. And so I think that's so beautiful, man. And so what I envision, man, I envision to, to continue, you know what I'm saying, uh, really just expanding, you know, the body of work that I've done and to continue to keep building. And um, like what we did with Mythbusters, man, is something, man, I, I would love to do something like that every every week, every month to talk about different topics, man, um, for men, because we don't have that safe space. So that's what I envision. I envision to see men healed uh, from all walks of life, from all races, because I think as men heal and men are able to express in a very healthy way, that's going to help us build stronger communities. And that's so beautiful. And we are definitely aligned on that journey, man. I know we'll definitely be building things and working together in the future. And 
I just, I'm so amazed how the universe brings people together in the most perfect yeah. ways and the most perfect timing. Um, I'll give you a chance to kind of share where people can find you, uh, what you're working on. Uh, I know you have a, um, a, a practice that you've built yeah. uh, for yourself in a book. Yeah. So go ahead and share that. Yeah. So, uh, I'm located in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I work at inside fitness 360, uh, which is a life coaching and counseling, uh, practice where we do in-person and virtual uh, therapy. And also I have my own virtual, uh, practice online, which is kjbcoaching.com. And for individuals who are looking for life coaching, um, whether it's individual couples, groups, uh, also we do EAP training for small corporations as well. And so we do a lot of training on culture diversity and social injustices, things of that nature. And uh, they can find me on Instagram, King J Barnett. And uh, it'll lead you to my website and all this stuff that we do. Awesome, man. That'll all be in the show notes for you guys as well. Jay, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. This conversation was really great. Yeah, thank you, man, for having me on, brother. Transitioning out of professional athletics comes with its own unique challenges. Like Jay and I discussed, one of the biggest challenges is the loss of community or brotherhood that comes with moving on from sports. I know it was one of the more challenging parts for me. That's why I'm starting a community exclusively for former male professional athletes so that I can surround myself with like-minded, high-achieving individuals that will support each other on the journey to finding purpose, reaching for our highest potential, and creating greater impact for ourselves off the field. If you want to learn more about how you can be a part of this community, visit theheartcollective.com. That's the H-A-R-T collective.com. Applications are now open.